Welcome to episode 282 of In Touch with iOS, the show that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. I am your host, Dave Ginsberg, and my guest this week, he's back, Chuck Joyner. How are you doing, Chuck? I'm good, David. It's good to, good to be here. Thank you so much for asking me, as always. Absolutely. Love having you here. As well as Jeff Gamet is here. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing all right. I'm happy to see all three of you. And yes. uh, because of the way my schedule has worked out this week, this is the first time this week I've been able to see all three of you at the same time. Oh, my gosh. So that makes tonight a, a special night for me. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad as also as well as uh, Ben Rathick is here. I don't bet. I'm doing good, or Dave. <laughs> You're practicing for tomorrow. Tomorrow. Right. That's tomorrow. <laughs> all right. All right. Let, let's try this. Uh, ben, it's great that you're here. How are you doing? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Uh, J- Dave Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's going to be a fun show tonight. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got lots of good stuff to talk about. Uh, some news uh, updates have just been released. Actually, today as we record, uh, having some good topics and we always have fun here and also want to welcome web, uh, web Bixby in the chat here on YouTube, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash in touch with iOS. How you doing web? And, uh, let's, uh, go ahead and, uh, jump in and start talking here of the stories. First story. This was a big story this week. Uh, Apple is pulling the plug on the Goldman, uh, credit card partnership. Uh, this broke in the wall street journal earlier this week. Uh, they have no other, uh, Explanation of the fact that, that this uh, is the final nail in the coffin with uh, with Goldman Sachs. They, they've been saying many times, speculating that, that they've been losing nothing but billions of dollars with this in the consumer market, really, uh, for the most part. They had this uh, uh, in in place until 2029, which was you know quite a contract. But I think uh, after the billions of losses here, I think Apple decided uh, – they decided to actually pull it. And they've been talking about some other speculation with American Express, Synchrony Financial, and all that stuff um, – Chuck, why don't you start? We've had we had a good discussion on MacWise Live, but I wanted to extend this because there were some new developments since then. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I I think the the most entertain most interesting thing about this has been all the speculation surrounding it, as to you know, will Apple get a new partner? Will the Apple credit card potentially go away? Um, you know, why? Because originally Goldman Sachs was the one that was seemed to be complaining. Um, and I, I, I use that term in the in the sense that, you know, there were board members, there was there were people that are speaking off the record that just Goldman was not happy with its relationship. No. And Apple was kind of quiet during that period. And now from the way the Wall Street Journal article has read and everything that has all the other reporting that's come out, Apple's the one that decided to pull the plug, which I think is a very, very interesting thing because, yeah. you know, they – it's it's very Apple like that they don't want to be in business with someone that doesn't want to be in business with them, and you know it, look this is this is an Apple podcast and we're all Apple enthusiasts right but it's Apple somebody somewhere in the credit card business is going to want to do business with Apple oh. and 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 I think somebody else will find a way to make money at it uh, yeah. We'll hit, we'll hit that in just a second because there's some, there's some speculation already. Uh, Jeff, I know you're you're new at uh, listening to all this. Uh, what do you think about this whole thing? 
All right. So let me preface this with no kidding. This is the first podcast that I've been on where I've had an opportunity to talk about this. So here goes. All right. I think what's happening is being at least to some degree misrepresented by the media. And, uh, and here, here's what I think is going on. Um, and, uh, and some of this is based on information we know. Some of it is me weaving the rest of the tapestry from the threads we have. All right. So Goldman Sachs wants out of consumer-facing business. And they are very actively working to make that happen. Now, uh, is Apple responsible for this? Well, not completely. Apple is definitely part of this because they're part of the consumer-facing business that Goldman Sachs has. And uh, and I think Goldman Sachs has has very likely mismanaged or at least um, failed to recognize everything that, that was going to be required on their end to provide a viable consumer-focused product. And uh, and so now they're doing the fiscally responsible thing, which is realizing, yeah, this isn't going to work. We have to get out. Okay, yep. so what happens next? Well, Apple's probably not completely happy with how the deal's been going anyhow. But before they can really um, go out strike a solid deal with another partner to take over and they absolutely will the apple card is not going away the apple um um savings thing is not going away apple has even said that very specifically um what they have to do before they can start working in earnest on finding that new partner they have to do the uh they have to follow the rules and the rules say they have to um, initiate the process of disengaging from um, from uh, Goldman Sachs. Now, that does two things. It gives Apple the ability to to work in good faith to find their new partner. It also gives them the flexibility to work on that without knowing that they are stuck with whatever happens with Goldman Sachs. Apple doesn't want to get caught with their pants down. Right. So, so is Apple breaking out of the deal with Goldman Sachs? Well, yeah, but it was going to happen regardless of whether or not they started the process. So they're just doing what they need to do to make this whole thing work. And uh, and the media reports we're seeing where where it's all focused on on this is this is a thing that's because of Apple. I don't think that's that's a completely accurate way of representing this. Goldman Sachs was already I before they, they got Apple on board. And it wouldn't surprise me if they were thinking, if we bring Apple on board, that will fix our problems. But all it did was uh, was increase the volume of their problems. Right. And so now here they are. Yep. And uh, and I won't tell you who I think that new partner is going to be because uh, because I actually looked at the show notes and I know we're going to be talking about that some. So uh, I will save that for that part of our discussion. Yeah, Ben, put put your final thoughts on this part of it, and then we'll we'll kick into the new new news of the, after this. Yeah, um, what Jeff said actually intrigues me. Um, doing it with Goldman that way uh, would essentially allow them to end the consumer facing partnership, 
why not having bad blood in business to business and as a business to business lender uh goldman is in fact uh as far as we know some of apple's own loans could be through goldman sachs okay um so a, a story that broke a couple of days later that uh, actually the, yesterday or today, as we record here, um, this was uh, from uh, Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg says that uh, this is Mark Gurman, of course, uh, everybody knows it, the Mac pundit for them, uh, uh, that uh, the financial giant would be a, it would be a first step towards severing the contract, as we all know about this. And the fact of the matter is that, uh, Bloomberg, it says, as German notes here, is that uh, Apple's not planning to discontinue the Apple Card because everybody was concerned about that after this news, as well as its high-yield savings account. I'm, I'm using both. I'm making some nice interest on that savings account. I can't complain much at all. and um, uh, But this means that Apple does, like we said, needs a new partner. And it might have already found one. And according to 9.5Mac, was, uh, was another story about it, that Apple had had hosting a job listing in August of this year that's seeking a software engineer to work with Apple Processing LLC, which is an Apple subsidiary focused on payment solutions. Uh, that position was to, was then removed in August and explicitly mentions that the engineer will be working with Pismo, which is a Brazilian fintech outfit that specializes in issuing credit cards, which was recently required by Visa. So, and, and so this is interesting to see where this will go because uh, it's it's uh, definitely something different uh, from anything we ever thought. I'll throw it right to you, back to you, Jeff. What's your thoughts on this? There you go. We know who Apple's partner is going to be. Uh, okay, that said, that could kind of fall apart at some point, and then Apple would end up going with, uh, I forget the name of the what, the S company. Synchrony. Oh, thank bank, you. Which is thank yeah, you. Sub subpar. <laughs> yeah, and um, um, I, I think a deal with with Amex directly is probably out. They could do a deal with uh, with uh, City or Chase yeah. because both of those companies, well, they they do have the infrastructure in place already. I don't think that's going to happen. I think mm -hmm. it's going to be Pismo. And I think the uh, the job listing was uh, Apple without wanting to having to to tip their cards and and show us their hand, um, and so they they can start working on all this in good faith before the deal with uh, with um, Goldman Sachs complete it gets completely finished, and and uh, this gives them plenty of time to work on testing the process of seamlessly moving all of us Apple card holders from Goldman Sachs to a new service. And, uh, and from our perspective, nothing will seem to have changed. The, the only difference is that we will have cards that say Goldman Sachs on the back, even though Goldman Sachs isn't actually behind them anymore. Yep. How about you, Chuck? Well, there's only one thing about this. Um, the, the Visa part is interesting because uh, right now we have we're we're working with the Mastercard network through right. Goldman. Mastercard also. Okay, but you haven't talked about the bank with me because Visa and Mastercard are only payment processing 
machines, not physical machines, but you know, corporate machines. And Good so point. there there has to be a bank somewhere that backs it up and unless God help us if if Apple decides to be, you know, open their own bank. And I I've, that's I've, not I've, gonna happen. Yeah, that at least I mean, not that, for a long time. That just opens so many regulatory issues and it's it's such a such a nightmare industry from that standpoint. And it takes so long to go from, hey, I went to start a financial institution to being able to say, I have a financial institution. Right. So and and this a lot of that discussion came from the Mac Voices Live discussion on Tuesday night. So we still are left with the question of who will be the financially backing partner here. I I, th- I think the detective work is is fascinating, yeah. and maybe maybe Apple wants to take over more of the process so that they can maintain the uh, the experience. But we still have to know who the financial backer is. Yeah. Last thought for you, Ben. Okay. Um, I actually have a thought on that. I, instead of working with just one bank, uh, they could be working with multiple banks here across the world. Because cool. what the Pismo technology essentially does is allow Apple to essentially be the back end for this. Uh, Theoretically, uh, they could talk to uh, several underwriters about uh, essentially where their card's coming from, what the interest rate could be, et cetera. Yep. Yep. That, that's a good point. It just, uh, I, and I definitely think this is going to be interesting. There's... A lot more to, to, to look forward towards the future here, but uh, I guess for now, we've got 12 to 15 months is what the, the speculation was. Apple hasn't officially commented about this. It's just been a lot of speculation and that there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, trying to determine is, is this, is this, when is this going to happen and who, who the, who the other new players are going to be. But I just don't see Apple walking away from this. It's just, it just, I just don't see it. They are not walking away from this. Yeah. There's just too much. They're they're too they're too uh, checked in with services. This has been just a huge thing for them. So I don't want them to walk away either. I'm I I enjoy using the Apple Card, and I'm think I think all of us here do <laughs> who have it. So um, so I I think it's something good. So all right, another story. This one as as Chuck did with me earlier this week knows how much it bugged the heck out of me, and I think much you guys too is. Seeing these police departments and news sites spreading misinformation about how iOS 17 name drop feature works. You know, with Apple released iOS 17.1 and watchOS 10.1 and introduced a new name drop feature that was designed to allow users to place Apple devices near one another and quickly exchange contact information. Sharing that contact information is done ex- with explicit a keyword explicit user permission, uh, but some news organizations and police departments, which was bothering me the most is the fact that they were spreading all this misinformation about how name drop functions. Oh my gosh. Important privacy update. You have to turn this off right away. There's too much. This is your, your kids are going to be exchanging information and, and they have no control over it. And I think kids are smart enough to know if you see something pop up, you, I think, you know, that don't, don't tap it. Now I will say, uh, granted, I think, Apple probably should have set this stuff off by default, just like they do with uh, AirDrop, you know, and, uh, but 
I, what bothered me the most of the fact of this, this week was this, this, uh, uh, this new story really irked me and uh, seeing all these police departments doing that and seeing everybody on social media, re sharing it with everybody. And I, I mean, there were many times and Ben, Jeff and, and Chuck know that I was on Facebook and, and had to make comments and say, mm-hmm. come on people, this is not a security at risk. So I'm going to throw it, I'll throw it at you again, Jeff, because, um, what do you think of this? exactly (laughs) the hand palm yes the hand palm oh okay when i first saw this pop up it was a friend on facebook that was posting oh you have to go do this and and i'm like who's the dork head that started spreading this because this is wrong and and it's not helping anyone and so I replied and explained, actually, here's how it works. And and if you want to turn it off, that's fine. But turn it off for the right reasons, not because someone scaremongered you into it. Yep. And then I start looking a little deeper and I'm like, oh, my God, this is coming from police departments. Yeah. Uh, okay. We don't have enough time in the show <laughs> for me to get on a soapbox for this one. Yeah. But I, I will say... If you if you are a agency, a public safety agency, and uh, and people are looking to you for information on how to stay safe, there's an inherent trust level, regardless of whether or not you you trust law enforcement in general. When you see things like this, there's just an inherent trust thing that happens for most people, and so. These agencies have a responsibility to go above and beyond to make sure that when they're saying, hey, here's this public safety thing about your phone or whatever it is, that they are right. And for all of them to just parrot this information that from what I understand, it started like with one sheriff's department posting mm-hmm. this thing, and then everyone picked it up and ran with it. Yep. Okay, shame on that agency. Shame <laughs> on them. They should be embarrassed. Very much so. Every agency that jumped on and followed it blindly, shame on them. Do you know what investigation is? Have you ever done this in your agency, like investigated anything ever? And then all of the media outlets that jumped on this, shame on you for propagating it as well. I cannot believe that we, just the little guys here and all this, had to jump in and try and explain to everyone how patently wrong this is. Now, Dave, I do disagree with you on Apple should have turned this off by default. Okay. And the reason I disagree with you is because Apple did a really good job of setting it up so that it's uh, it's it's so difficult to accidentally share contact information, and uh, and so if they had it off by default, this feature would never get used. And AirDrop, True. the way it's set up, it's it's kind of off even when it's on because you have that ten minute window thing, right. and so you go and set who you want to be able to to airdrop with and anyhow that i think apple did a really good job of putting security majors in place with this and and i'm not sure if you're picking up on this i am really upset and disappointed with 
everyone that was involved with spreading this misinformation. I'm with you. Ben, what do you think? Um, I will take this a step further. Uh, Spreading it was one thing. Uh, The fact that uh, since uh, this has been corrected by uh, reputable sources, we have not seen any contractions. We have not. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. What is fracking wrong with these people? <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. I mean, literally I, I, uh, I personally shared a nine to five Mac, yeah. uh, article with the Galena, Illinois police department. Uh, there were several other corrections within the post. Uh, we have seen nothing back. No, none. Even Wired Magazine, which which is more of a neutral the source compared to, you know, you you, you I, I wanted to provide a source that's you know it's open throughout technology. Yeah. You know, Apple nine to five Mac, Mac Rumors, a lot of the sites that we use all the time. You know, they're they're Apple centric, but even Wired Magazine published something and said something. But you know, and I'll give a shout out to Ken Ray. He 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 shouted me out on his show uh, a couple of days ago after this hit. I took a picture on the screen of a local te- the local television station in Chicago, WGN, and they they ran the story and said this is misinformation. I took a picture of it to show. Oh, good. It's it's out there on Instagram if anyone wants to see it. I'm Dave G sixty five on Instagram. You can see that, and that was that, that was just a that, that's what really triggered me the most. I kept seeing it on the on TV show the, the TV news, and I'm like, what is going on here, people? Mm-hmm. At least they were smart enough to realize that after it got reported that this is misinformation. I'll let you let you wrap it up, Chuck. I'm not sure I can do do justice to uh, to, to Jeff's outrage. Um, <laughs> no one can, because I you know I, I think everything Jeff said is true. And once again, we've uh, unfortunately this our our typical advice is when you see something you know go to multiple sources and and right. check it out. And this, but this is an example of why that's become even more important. And it's more important to have diversified sources and well-informed sources, because even some of the people, excuse me, some of the sources that we would normally go to were propagating the the misinformation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it may serve you well to go and, you know, even just go straight to the source, go to Apple and look it up. Um, I think, Jeff, the one thing I think you underplayed just a little bit, and this was hard to believe you underplayed anything in your rant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I I was holding back because of time constraints. Okay, okay. It it does seem like it's difficult. I mean, you really have to intentionally accept or have somebody accept your information. You know, Je- yeah. Jeff touched on it a little bit, but uh, you know, I think if you go, if you read any of the in-depth articles and the, and look at the demonstrations of it, that there's no way that a 13-year-old is going to be giving or getting information that they don't want, or, right. or that they didn't intend to to give or get. So, mm-hmm. you know, because both parties, let's put it this way, both parties are notified, and then if I want to share with Jeff. I have to say, I want to share with Jeff, and Jeff has to say, I want to accept from Chuck. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's the that's the thing. Okay, so what else do you want? 
you know, I mean, other than just turn it off. And so do we have to have a setting and then go through that gyration? No, that's that's not not even some of the our usual whipping boys that I won't name um, mm-hmm. would would engage in something that obtuse. So, yeah, I this is yeah. just it, it's a it's a shame. Jeff, I think or I'm not sure who said it, but uh, I do believe it from what I read that it did start at one police department and that police department should be the one who is really leading the charge to say, Hey, we screwed up. We're human, you know, pay attention to this. And by the way, all you other police departments who followed us down that path, we're sorry, you know, get some corrections out there. The delicious irony in this mm-hmm. law enforcement agencies in the United States. I didn't even wait for you to say yes or mm-hmm. no. I just Go for went. It. Um, <laughs> Law enforcement agencies in the United States are pushing to reduce our privacy on our devices. And here's an agency saying, oh, oh, you need to protect your privacy on your device. Well, coming out of one side of their mouth, well, the other side is like, hey, you know, we need to have easy access into these devices. I'm Uh. really not happy with this whole thing. Jeff, nobody, they never said they need easy access. They just need, they need access. Well, okay. So if they need access, then it becomes easy access because it's either, uh, there's a procedure where they say, hey, we need this. And then the the manufacturer, the software company, whoever, they push a button and make it happen. And um, so it's not like, like, they're saying we want access, but go ahead and make it really difficult for us to get that access. They they do want it to be as easy as possible, but they're not saying, hey, just make sure every device is open all the time so we can scoop up all the data we want. Although I bet they'd really like that. Um, but they do want it to be as easy as it reasonably can be to to get that access. For them. Yes. For them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For them. Yeah. All yeah. right. I think I think we beat this uh, topic to death here. Let's uh, oh, go I ahead. Can keep going. Oh, I know no, you could. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we got a lot to cover here. Uh, let's uh, go into the, the last story this week. Um, uh, this uh, just got released uh, today as we record this. Uh, Final Cut Pro and uh, iMovie and Motion and Compressor uh, were all added with new features today. Uh, it introduces new features that opt for optimizations. Um, the Final Cut Pro updates for iPad as well as Mac. Uh, earlier smuts are now are now being launched uh, for all of them. Uh, it's uh, organizational refinements like uh, autom- automatic timeline scrolling, and, and users will be able to keep their clips in view during playback with the view to be able to be adjusted using the keyboard shortcuts and or the zoom option. Um, so I'm really glad to see some of these updates and, and making things even more efficient more than ever. You know, some of us still still use iMovie because iMovie is the, the simpler uh, app and not, not everybody wants to spend the extra lots of money for Final Cut Pro unless you're more of a professional. I know, I know Chuck and I and many of us here do use Final Cut Pro, uh, but uh, this is good to hear. Uh, and I, I, I want to think what you thought, uh, Chuck, because you, you use it for your show every week. So, I, David, I'm a little bit embarrassed because I didn't get to read the details of this. I know they're... That's okay. I, this is the first in a long line of uh, of improvements we've been seeing. Um, some of these were hinted at at the Final Cut Pro Summit. Uh, again, from the little bit that I got to look at, right. um, the, final, the Final Cut Pro Summit that was held, I think, the week before Thanksgiving. 
So it the fact that they those features that were previewed there made it out. I mean, it just it feels like Apple is still paying attention to Final Cut. There's been a lot of concern over whether that was one of those things that was going to be sort of like Aperture that just eventually went away. I really don't think so. I th- no. I feel like the the video from iMovie and um, and photo, believe it or not, even photo booth. But up th- up through Final Cut is just too. I, I think it's too important to Apple, and right. I don't think it's a product they would be ignoring if they if they if they just bring out an iPad version and then decide to to, to go away. Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. sense. So I think you're going to see more and more of this um, that Apple wants to compete, and and I I will put in a plug. I mean, as as much as I love LumaFusion and and it's great, um, and Final Cut doesn't quite have parity with its with its iPad version. Final Cut is is not that difficult to learn. It's super powerful, but at the at the at the very core of it, you can do a lot of great things with a relatively shallow learning curve to take advantage of everything or more than it that it offers. Yeah, but it's a pro level program, just like Photoshop, just like Premiere, just like. Logic, just like all of those, you know, that you can do a certain amount easily, and then you're going to have to start to dig to really take advantage. All right, uh, Jeff, any thoughts? I know you're a LumaFusion plant user. I know that. I I am, and uh, and Chuck is totally right about uh, about Final Cut Pro. Uh, it's it's an excellent tool, and uh, and I would never tell anyone that that needs to use it that they shouldn't. Um. Just so happens, LumaFusion is the right tool for me. I am happy to see Apple continue to add new features in, and uh, and to optimize their apps for for Apple Silicon. So that's great. I think if Apple was was uh, not seriously committed to the Final Cut uh, uh, package, uh, they would not have taken the the very uh, dangerous potentially um, destructive step several years ago of starting over with the software I mean that that was a huge risk yep. and not something that that I think a company would undertake unless they they were seriously committed to the platform and I like that it's a very accessible app. And that uh, now it's available on iPad as well. Yep. And I, I think Apple seriously does still want to be part of the professional uh, non-linear, non-linear video editing uh, space. So on them. Also, um, I was just reading some of the update features that we're getting. This is clearly helping to set the foundation for creating professional content for Vision Pro with Apple's own tools. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Ben, you get the final word. Um, I mean, I think the underreported thing here is that uh, both Compressor, which is part of the Final Cut suite, and iMovie are going to have that support for uh, exporting stereoscopic video, aka three uh, D video, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. for the for the Vision Pro directly to the iTunes Store. 
or the video store, whatever they're calling it at that particular moment. Yeah. Yep. That, 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 that's it. But, uh, if you're, if you, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, cause final cut pro is expensive. It's $300 for one time license. You know, I've owned that license for a long time and haven't had a paid dime after that. Uh, but you also get $49 a year with the iPad version. The iPad version might just be suitable for you, but you also could try Uluma fusion. So, um, yeah, and, and 300 bucks, um, for a perpetual license yeah. for professional video editing software. Right. That's super cheap. It is. Yeah, it is. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the store, the topics for this week. Uh, first off, uh, before we beta, I wanted to talk about the fact that Apple today, as we record this, re- released iOS 17.1.2 as well as iPad OS. Uh, it was a small update uh, to that, that was uh, just a couple weeks after the 17.1.1 with another bug fix update. Uh, according to Apple's release notes, it includes some important, important security fixes, specifically the updating of the addressing addresses vulnerabilities that may have been exploited in earlier versions of iOS 17. They're saying uh, processing web content may disclose sensitive information, and they were aware of this report, uh, and it may have been exploited against versions before iOS 16.7.1. Um, so Apple is already working on the major update to 17.2. We'll talk about it in a minute. And uh and it's set to that's set to come out actually in December. You know, we're at the last day of November this uh, this year, uh, so we'll probably be seeing that pretty soon here. So I would recommend going out updating it. It doesn't take very long. It's a very small update. I, I took care of that uh, today. So I assume you guys have if you haven't done already taken care of it. I'm sure you will. Um, and uh, I don't think we have much else to say about it unless you have anybody else has anything to add. All right. Do the updates. Important, Do important security updates. Very, very. Um, so uh, Apple did see the iOS 17.2 beta 4, uh, and uh, it's out for the public as well as developers. Um, uh, they made a few changes, including uh, get the uh, default no- notification sounds for sound and haptics. And we've talked about a lot of the stuff that's already out here. Uh, they've even adjusted with what the Apple Care se- settings it actually shows coverage that that they've done so a few few things here and there. Um, there's not a ton of huge features other than the fact that you're going to see some more beta, uh, some some more uh, bug fixes and such. Uh, ben, where, where have you been seeing anything different uh, on uh, your iPhone? Well, um, I think being able to change the default notification sound is relatively huge. Yeah, I was not. A, a particularly big fan of the one that they were using in iOS 17. Um, other than that, uh, with recur- recording external video, uh, if you're using a cable that's not up to snuff, uh, it will now tell you that. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Um, I think OWC had released a... Um, a utility that would do that. So now having it built in is, is really, really nice. Yeah. But it, it just, it feels like Apple is more responsive than it's ever been to, especially the smaller little annoyances that turn into the really big annoyances that, you know, they, they, they slide them back in somewhere into the update process. And I, I just, Dave, you were talking about the updates a minute ago, you know, they are constantly iterating. They're constantly addressing not just the security things, but some of the other things too, as well. And so I just feel like it's, it's an operating system that I'm very comfortable using, especially 
In fact, frankly, there are times I feel like I'm a little more I feel a little more secure using my banking apps on iOS than I do necessarily anywhere else. Yep. Um, so just those came out. The rest of the, the app devices are still on the ones that we've talked about. So uh, but uh it's gonna be interesting to see. I think we got a, I think we're very close to seventeen dot two being uh, released in probably a couple weeks in December. So uh that we'll keep reporting it and let you know uh what's been going on here uh I've got links in the show notes for all the changes and anything else i think like ben said default notification sounds uh it was uh was uh definitely a big big change here so um so let's have anything else let's go on and move on to some other topics here i got uh we got five different things that happened this week that were announced we're getting close to the year end and um uh, that includes uh, the Apple did announce the app app store winners. We'll talk about that as well as Apple books, Apple music replay, uh, uh, experience as well as the most popular podcasts. Uh, so it's, uh, definitely going to be, uh, another year of what was, uh, great for 2023. So we did talk about the finalists in the app store for a couple weeks ago. Um, so now, uh, we've got, uh, the, the actual winners. Um, so for the iPhone app of the year is all trails. And, uh, I don't know if you did, Ben, do you, do you, we did talk about this. All trails is, is, is from everybody says is a phenomenal app for hiking and biking and trail maps. And you, you use this, right? Uh, yes, I do. And it's really good. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody else earlier today and, and she told me that, uh, she mentioned that as I, I was telling her. Uh, about about uh, the the App Store awards and uh, it seems like everybody who likes to hike and bike and all that stuff this app this app is just absolutely awesome. Um, it's a must have app. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Jeff, you use it as well. So, and uh, it, it looks like they have in app purchases. I don't know. Is that I, I don't know if it's uh, it's a flat thirty five ninety nine. Is that you get that is that is that a uh, one time charge or do you do you need that? Oh my God. I have no idea how much I'm paying to use this app. It's just one of those things that <laughs> I use. That may yeah. be the best endorsement of it right there, Jeff. Yeah. So it must be working for what you need it for and then not have to pay. Yeah. It, um, it, it is an app purchase. I doesn't, I'm looking out uh, in the link here and I don't see anything um, that says anything otherwise. Yeah. I probably paid 36 bucks for this. Yeah. Well, important to important to you got to you and you definitely would uh, benefit from it so um so that's the iphone app of the year the uh the ipad app of the year was uh press press makeup from press a tape template uh that was the one where it does a lot of uh, uh digital face charting and uh graphic design and all that stuff and um uh, jeff you being the artist uh, have, have you have you used this one i think you i think you said you did uh, no, I've seen it, You've seen but it, okay. I haven't actually used it. And uh, I find it to be really interesting. And uh, the 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 inclusive inclusivity. Wow, am I even close? You got it. Inclusivity. Thank you, thank you. Um, I, I think that's a really big thing in this, and uh, the, it reminded me in some ways of an app that uh, that one of the kids in my life um plays with on an on an android tablet which lets them do this sort of thing but like in a in a kids game sort of way um i i loved the inclusivity in that and i see that here and it just feels like a natural extension of that and this this i would consider to be a much more high end professional 
app and I, I'm just loving what people are doing with uh, with with mobile apps for iPhone and iPad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, there's some uh, there, there's the iPad app, and uh, I'll mention the Mac app of the year, which was Photomator, um, which uh, is also a very popular uh, photo editing program. Uh, which I believe uh, it was it was it's the Pixelmator team. They replaced Pixelmator with Photomator, uh, and uh, this um, is, or, or am I wrong? It's it uh, it's kind of a side project. Uh, Pixelmator will always be kind of uh, the Pixelmator team's equivalent to Photoshop. Okay. Um, this is kind of like the Apple Photos app, but can do more. Yeah, this would be more akin to Photoshop Elements. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's right. I believe I have a Pixelmator, Pixelmator uh, license, so it, I have used it before. It is good. It does work with both Mac, iPhone, and iPad, so you can use this tool on all three platforms. Um, so, uh, so obviously a lot, a lot of uh, it was a editor's choice and very popular and got a lot of good ratings. Uh, uh, Chuck, have you used this uh, app at all? I, I have not, um, but I've. You know, I, I I feel obligated to say that what we've so often said that some of the professional apps, you know, you, you think you you need them, you really don't. And so take a look at at this because I have read the reviews and I I, I am a Pixelmator user, um, so I I have a pretty good idea of the lineage, you know, that uh, Photomator has. So. Yeah, I, take a look at this before you go mess with something else yeah. that's a whole lot yeah. more expensive. Yeah, it really gives you uh, pro photo editing features in something that is extremely easy to use. You know, this is one of those apps that every time someone mentions it, I'm like, right, this is a really good option. Uh, and I have Pixelmator Pro. I have Affinity Photo. I tend to use Affinity Photo more, and uh, and every now and then, um, someone will ask me, "Hey, what should I get if I don't want to use Photoshop?" and and I feel bad because I forget about about uh, about Photomator, and it is actually a really great option as well. Yep. And as a public services announcement, I just popped it up here on the App Store. Um, it's showing, and t- today is the 30th of November, that there's a get 70% off the first year on annual Photometer subscription yep. with a limited time Black Friday offer. So that's a that's a pretty good deal. Darn it. You may have just cost me money, David. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. Um, all right. And then uh, the Apple TV app, they actually had uh, an Apple TV app uh, this uh, this year. It's a MUBI, M-U-B-I, streaming great cinema. It's a it's a curated, handpicked for for movie reviews, um, and emerging artists and ironic, uh, iconic directors and and such. And uh, this looks like an interesting app. I have not tried this. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have. It does work on the iPhone and the iPad as well, um, and it does have some free features as well as has subscription, uh, which have a yearly monthly and yearly subscription with a trial period. So you could try it out to see if it's something that would uh, meet uh, your needs. But uh, there's so many of these types of apps, but this obviously has been very popular for made the, the top app for 2023. I don't know if any of you guys have seen this or used this. 
I, I feel kind of lame because Not this either. is the kind of app that I look for. I know. I didn't know about movie. Yeah, I didn't either. So I think you Damn. got, you got, uh, you got something to take a look at here. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, so then the, and finally the Apple watch app for this year was smart gym for gym and home workouts. It's uh, hit home and gym weightlifting. Uh, this has been pretty popular among the fitness and this works across all platforms, Mac, iPhone, iPad, and Apple watch. Um, so, uh, this is, uh, I guess what's been said, one of the, one of the more popular health apps out there, uh, able to create personalized workouts for you and also suggest changes on updates for your progress. So for those of you working in the fitness or in the fitness arena here, this is a very popular app here too. Uh, looks like it also has, uh, it's free, but it has some in-app purchases as well. So, uh, check that out. Um, uh, I'll say much else about that. There were some games and other stuff. I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but, uh, uh, we'll just mention them. Uh, iPhone game of the year was, uh, Hokai star rail, uh, which is, uh, is, and then, uh, iPad was lost in play. Uh, Mac app, uh, the game of the year was lie lies of P and, uh, arcade, the Apple arcade game of the year was hello kitty Island adventure. <laughs> And uh, Liza P is one of those things that is definitely a top of the line AAA game. Okay. So, but yeah, just check the article in the show notes here. But there's this is all uh, they, they all get the logos now that it shows that they're the app of the year and the game of the year, and they get uh, actually a physical app store award modeled uh, for the app store. So, uh, congratulations to these uh, these uh, developers. I think that's uh, an exciting thing uh, to see. Um, and uh, I'll just briefly talk about some of the other things here. Apple did uh, Apple Books did launch a new year in review feature, so you can actually uh, that was actually uh, this week. Uh, year in review will now allow Apple Books users to actually personalize highlights about the books and audiobooks they read in 2023. Um, and uh, you can add them right in there. Mark is finished, uh, changed uh, the finish date that's shown. And so you actually do some customizations with the books. And then there's, there's a top uh, five list of, uh, uh, of the top nonfiction books of the year. Oh gosh. Uh, Spare by Prince Harry was number one <laughs> for nonfiction. And then Elon bus, Elon's book made it to in number five here. So, oh, then you got Britney Spears <laughs> and uh, some, some interesting books here have made the top, uh, and, and, and fiction books it shows here too. So, uh, it's, it's neat to see that, you know, a Apple is obviously looking to expand upon the, uh, uh, the books area here. And, and then in music, they have the music replay, uh, 2023, uh, that, uh, this, this, uh, does allow to, uh, subscribers to see their top artists, songs, albums, genres, uh, playlists and stations of the year from what they've listened to. And it actually shows you how many minutes of music you've listened to and how many songs you've played and, and the pictures in the article here says, says uh, you played over 11,357 songs. One of them was your anthem. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, so <laughs> got some nice little customizations here in the music area, which is, is kind of, which is kind of neat. Um, and then uh, you have a podcast as well. Uh, and no one in touch with iOS didn't make the top. It doesn't look like so, but a lot of the, a lot of the mainstream That's stuff, a crime. it is a crime. It really is. Well, it is a crime because crime junkie is number one, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it's all the modern mainstream or true crime. Yeah. I mean, true, true crime is just an absolutely very popular podcast. Uh, um, 
uh, a podcast genre. You know, uh, This American Life has been around forever. Uh, even Dateline, NBC, and a lot of other uh, uh, news and those types of uh, podcasts have been very, very popular. So it's it's it's, it's great to see Apple doing this. I, li- I like to see what you know with all the consumed uh, th- we, everything we consume. You get to see some of this. Um, uh, 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 some of this stuff and, uh, see, see where that goes. Uh, when it comes to that, you guys, any comments about that? what do you see? I, I'll, I'll throw something in. Cause I'm, this is in relation to that. Does anybody here, and I know there are only four of us and I know we hardly represent the demographics out there, but yeah. do, do any of you listen to any of these podcasts? I have not. Not not this American life. This American life. Once in a while, I have. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's good. I mean, to me, that this is the beauty of podcasting. That yeah. just just like so many other things, there there are some things that are just built for mass consumption. That they're going to appeal to every, to to a large segment of the audience. But dig down deep, and depending on how much of a niche, niche you want, you can find something for you. And it's never they're never going to make the top numbers. Yep. They're probably not going to make the top five hundred. But if it's good and it's important to you, that's all you need. Meanwhile, those other things that are built for mass consumption are bringing people to podcasting, right. and they start they understand what it is. They understand how to get it, where to find them, and then hopefully at some point they'll start looking beyond some of the mass production stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing we're we're indie podcasters as they call us uh and Mm -hmm. um you know there's so many indie podcasts out there that there's so much great content out there so that's what the what's what's awesome about podcasting like well all of us here enjoy doing a podcast every week and uh yeah i'm glad glad to see apple is uh showing all this uh great stuff here uh when it comes to that so um let's move on to the next topic here uh privacy screens um privacy screens have been around for quite a long time and not I have never really liked using one, but they do come in handy, especially for those who travel a lot or on an airplane and you've got prying eyes that are looking over right next to you and they can see your, your laptop screen or even your iPad screen for that matter. Um, and, uh, but, uh, what about the iPhone is, is, is there an option for iPhone? Um, I was talking to somebody at work the other day here and, uh, they, they had an Android phone. So, but and he was, he was like, yeah, I got this privacy screen for my iPhone. And he was, and I, I was standing next to him and, and I couldn't see it at all. It was blacked out. It was really perfect. And then I said, oh, let, let, show it to me when you, when you face it right in front of me. It's like, wow, that, that thing really blacks it out. But, um, earlier this year, uh, Wall Street Journal had actually published an in-depth report about highlighting instances of thieves when iPhone users were entering their passcode. We talked about that. It was Joanna Stern who went through that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, yeah, really scary how people can reverse engineer and get codes and take your money and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, and then Apple of course sympathized with everybody, but you know, they still follow their same protocols. Uh, but, uh, the thing is that there is a patent from, for Apple called the privacy films for curved displays which is uh, a special screen that, that covers limits in light emission from a single direction. And there was a second patent that was called display adjustments of angle of view is designed for flat screens uh, that can describe how a user can adjust the max viewing angles as well. But what are they going to do when it come when they come up with stuff for the iPhone? Could they put something in built in or, or could we put screen uh, a screen privacy screen on our iPhones? I know Chuck, you use, you use a, uh, 
uh, a screen protector all the time. Would, if, if there was such a thing, I think there, there are, I, there are uh, privacy screens out there now that you could put on your iPhone. Um, would that be something you'd be interested in doing? I would have to, I would want to test it because I would yeah. not want to degrade the quality of my yeah. screen to any significant mm-hmm. degree. Um, you know, I, I'd love, I, I would love to see something maybe that could be easily attached or removed. And, you know, so that, just as I'm thinking about it here, that might involve something involving a case that if I had a real big privacy concern about, you know, what was on my iPhone or what somebody might be able to look over my my shoulder and see, then I might might do it. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a trade off because yeah. anytime you're using any of the screen protectors, because we've all seen them if or mm-hmm. if you if you've. Like Dave said, if you travel, you may have used one, and they definitely make it very difficult to see anything from off angle. Mm-hmm. But it also reduces the brightness of the of the uh, the screen, and sometimes even the the resolution that your eye can see yep. through it. So it's it's a trade off. It's a trade off. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Jeff? Would you use a a, a screen protector with that privacy screen? No. I don't even have to think about it. No. Um, and the the reason I wouldn't is because from what I understand, these are all based on polarization. Right. And, uh, and if you have polarized glasses and you're wearing them and you hold up your iPhone or iPad or whatever with one of these privacy things on it, your screen's black. So um, that would be a problem. Um, the, 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 one of the other issues for me is if you're polarizing your screen, then what are you doing to color? And if I lose the, uh, the clarity and the, the color that I'm expecting to see, then, uh, that I see that as a problem, especially if I'm taking a, uh, photographs, say on my iPhone, and I want to make adjustments and then share those. If I have a polarized screen protector on there, what is that doing to the images that, or how, how is that distorting them? Yeah. So that would be a problem for me. The the other thing, which for me is is an appropriate thing, but for other people, I I can see where it may not be. If the information on your device is sensitive enough that having anyone potentially see anything is a problem, then you shouldn't be using that device in an area where there's a potential for someone to see your screen. Mm -hmm. Right. How about you, Ben? We could wrap up this topic on this. Yeah, um, I have actually tested these types of screen protectors. Um, the uh, uh, if the uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the Jet Tech one from the Business Insider article is a very good one. That said, uh, Jeff and and Chuck's concerns are very valid. Yep, uh, they do degrade the functionality of your phone. Uh, if you're using your phone only for business, uh, by all means, get one and get one now. Right. Um, if you're using, the reason I don't is that, um, well, I use my phone mainly as a consumption device. 
And you're going to have to be looking at it straight on, or you will not be watching your YouTube videos. That's true. That's true. So interesting stuff here. I think, like I said, we're seeing more and more people with their, with, with, uh, privacy screens on their laptops and especially with travel. So, I mean, they've been around for, for, for many years. Um, but I'm, I'll add my comment. I'm, I'm, I was never a big fan of them either. It's just, it distorts things. Just I agree with what you said, Jeff. And that's not something I, I, I'm not even a big screen protector fan for, for your iPhones. I have always gone without it. So, uh, so I'll stick to the nice glass and just, just be aware of my surroundings here. So, um, Got one more topic here and then a, an app review here or uh, uh, update. Uh, the evolution of the iPhone camera lenses. Um, I found this interesting article in nine to five Mac, and I wanted to, uh, us to go through and to kind of talk about what we've, what we've seen the evolution of the iPhone and where, and, and, and how, what lenses were found in e each model. Uh, it, it, I, it's amazing how, how much evolution has happened with the iPhone over the, uh, where we at uh, 2007 was the first iPhone. So we're, we're, we're approaching a, a long time here that, uh, uh, the iPhone has been out here. Um, so every device in the, in the lineup has it just absolutely evolved. So we might as well start at the top here and, and, and go with the iPhone 15. The 15 has a 48 megapixel camera and it's got a, uh, 1.78 main rear lens, 12 megapixel ultra wide, 12 megapixel telephoto. So there's some, there's some just amazing specs when it comes to the 15 and it, we can go all the way down to the, to the, to the very first iPhone, which was two megapixels. Now m m m you guys have had, well, had, I think Jeff or Chuck or any of you guys, you had the original iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and you remember how revolutionary it was at that time in 2007, there was a two megapixel rear lens only. And it took okay that, pictures. I mean, at the, t at the time. That was really cool because we were going from like our Motorola razors. Yeah. Yeah. Which the, the image quality was not good. Um, and then suddenly we had this nice two megapixel camera. Um, I mean, it sounds ridiculous now, but at the time it it was kind of impressive. It was. Yeah. It's you think back, I mean, go back a little farther even and, and think about Apple's quick take cameras. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I just had to look it up. That gave you 640 by 480. Yeah. Which is almost sad, you know, yeah. by today's standards. It is. But, but we were so excited to have it back then that, you know, it's more like now a postage stamp. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, and, Okay, related to that, I love how people are going totally retro with cameras now that we have uh, the ability to connect so many things to the new iPhones and they're connecting Game Boy cameras mm -hmm. yep. and taking what, what's essentially a postage stamp size photo. And they're, ju they're just loving these these incredibly pixelated um, um bitmap images that are coming off of that little camera yeah and by people we mean batichi <laughs> fair fair <laughs> yeah. uh 
So we go down the line here. I'm not going to go through every single phone iPhone, but as, as years progressed, you know, my first iPhone was a three G I didn't have the original iPhone. That was still two megapixels at that point, but then you went to three, then the five, then to eight megapixel. And then you keep moving up in the apex. Well, I end up to six and the success and six S plus. And then we made it up to 12 megapixel. Even the first iPhone SE had a pretty phenomenal camera. If you remember, if you remember that it was a 12 megapixel camera for its lower priced iPhone. And then the 12 megapixels stuck for quite a while throughout the line here. It moved all the way up uh, to the 11, 12 and uh, SE. So it really stuck, 12 stuck as, as a megapixel camera for a long time. You saw a lot of changes over with the, with the F-stops, you know, with, with aperture, uh, much wider lenses, uh, more telephoto and rear lenses, true depth, um, all the way up to right where we are now, where the 14 was the first, uh, the 15 Pro and Pro Max was the first model to get the 48 megapixel rear lens on out to the 15 now. So do any of these, any of these iPhones, you guys stand out, even though we all, some of us have the sub 15, but that, that you're, that you've been happy with. I know Ben, you're still on the 12 and you're, I'm sure you're perfectly happy with it, right? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, going through this, uh, being of the, uh, ex-lineal micro generation, <laughs> um, basically I spent my twenties having to carry around both a crappy cell phone and a, uh, portable camera. Yep. Um, it was really the, I, my first iPhone was a three GS. Um, what replaced it? My five, my uh iphone 5 was really the first one where i you know realized i didn't have to carry around the camera anymore yep going forward uh then you got the iphone my iphone 12 max which really does have a relatively professional level camera How about you, Chuck? Did anything stand out in iPhones over the years? And yeah, actually, I'll, I'll share a story, Dave. Um, last, let's see, this is 2023. So at the end of 2022, the company I was working for went through a bit of an evolution, and that was when I I left. But at the end at the end of that year, one of the things we did was we pulled together sort of a retrospective over the years from the events we'd done, and of course when you know, the iPhone was the camera you had with you. And so that's where I had used to document a lot of those events. When I started to put the retrospective together, you could just see over time, the photos get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like, what, you know, why, why was that comparatively? Why was that not as great? Cause I, I thought it was great at the time. You don't realize just how, how used to these great photos we've gotten until you go back and start charting it out a little bit. Um, the, the difference between what the photos I took in 2021 and 2022 versus 1985, yeah. you know, that not, not have been right. Mm-hmm. Oh, 1995, that's... 97 into 2000. It's, it's staggering. It's a fun exercise. You know, if, if, and now we have so many things that are organizing our photos and right. you can go back and find things from the different years, but take, take them out, export them and start looking at them side by side. Oh, yeah. And you will just appreciate not, and not just the, you know, not just the hardware improvements, but also you start to appreciate the computational photography aspect of mm-hmm. things as to how, how much better the colors are and how everything seems to be just a superior experience and we're all spoiled because now we look at those every day. 
Yeah. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. So it's a great article. Nine to five Mac. Thanks uh, for the reference here. If you want to go back and get even more in depth, I mean, even has a, goes back to the full camera specs links. You could find out everything you want to know about the, uh, what the, what the first gen iPhone had all the way up to the 15. Now, uh, it's got some really cool stuff in here. So, um, but, uh, yeah, that's great. One last thing I want to talk about here is uh, an app update, and this was uh, Google Drive. And I'll not uh, a lot of there's been a lot of press about Google Drive deleting your files lately, but uh, I think that's going to get worked through, and uh, it shouldn't be too much of a concern. But the Google Drive for iPhone finally adds a uh, document scanner built in. It's been on Android for like uh, forever, it seems like, uh, but and we've never had it in the Drive, uh, and it's going to be. Uh, it's it's going to be on the iPhone and the iPad now. And if you launch the app now, you're going to see a floating action button uh, across the existing uh, uh, right corner, and it allows you to be able to go in and do scanning right into Google Drive. I mean, well, well way overdue uh, for this app. I mean, I can do that in OneDrive. I've been being able to do that in OneDrive for a long time, on even Dropbox and and, and many other uh, file sharing programs. Uh, this comes in handy and you know, and that means less and less of a reason to have a separate scanning app, which we've all used for many years to, to scan things. So all depends on how you do file sharing. Some of us here use Dropbox. Some of us use uh, Google drive and some use OneDrive. Some use iCloud, but you know, iCloud doesn't even have that option either. You got to use third party to scan your receipts and such too. Um, so check it out. It's uh, it just got updated this week as we record and, uh, is this something you guys use for in your file sharing of choice for scanning, or do you use a third-party scanning app? I tend to use the built-in document scan feature in the iPhone, okay. and and then save it. And I'm doing too many steps, is what I'm saying. Right. And then I take that saved file and then share it through whatever system. Okay, why why isn't this just built into iCloud? Mm-hmm. Good question. I, I should be able to use the camera app on my phone, and one of the options I should have is scan to iCloud. And they have it in the Notes app, but then of course you're you're, you're spending extra steps to to get it in the right, place which, which is what I'm doing. Yeah. So Th- it's the only thing I use the Notes app for is uh, document scanning. How about you, Chuck? I, I don't use anything like this. I, it's an it's an interesting question, but I guess I don't feel like I do that many that I don't scan or scan that many documents and then have a reason to share them right off the bat because that smacks of having paper. And it just seems like there's so many things in my life that have gone away from paper. That it's not really something, and and look, I'm sorry. Okay, I've got. If, I, if you let me go get my wallet, I'll pull out the card that says "paranoid." But <laughs> you are you are scanning to Google, yeah. Chuck. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Oh, I know they're out to get me. There's no question about that. <laughs> but you you have to you have to ask that question. Sure, you have to think about that. As opposed to what Jeff's doing, even though he's doing too many steps, he's scanning into the Apple ecosystem. I feel a lot more comfortable there. I will definitely See, hit on this. Is why I oh, haven't ahead. taken my my. I'm sorry. I'm just totally oh. walking all over everyone tonight. You're good. You're good. I, it's it's Jeff's Rantapalooza show. <laughs> no, um, 
Now, Chuck, your your whole thing with not trusting Google with you wanting to scan documents right into Google Drive. I totally get it. This is why I haven't taken my my all of my personal email accounts and run them through Google. I I know there's a lot of value I would get out of that. But what I'm paying for that, which would be Google now is scanning every single email that I have, that I'm not comfortable with. It's not like I have anything to hide. But at the same time, the clients that I work with, they may not want me sharing some of their information. It might be proprietary for something I'm writing. So right. does that does that mean it's still okay for Google to scan that? Well, in my mind, no, it is not. And Jeff, to be clear, be clear, it's not that I don't trust Google. I just have a set of expectations about Google's behavior. And under the heading, mm-hmm. heading of full disclosure, I do use Gmail. So I'm a complete hypocrite. I understand that. <laughs> um, no, I have a Gmail yeah. account. Right. Um, but yeah. 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 So, you know, it it it's that we've talked about it a million times. It's that trade-off between convenience and privacy or security or, you know, however you measure it. So I don't want my bank sending me the state my statements through Gmail. I don't want my broker sending me right. statements through Gmail. Um, but I then I don't turn around and scan them into Google Drive either. And for that matter, I don't scan them into to uh to uh to notes or anywhere else. Well, so the good thing the banks will send you links to their site to get your statements. So right. you have a little more grain. I, and control. I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. One other point I was going to make working in the enterprise and working for a company, very strict, of course, of security. If you're in the, if you're in the Microsoft ecosystem, you're going to use OneDrive. You can use OneDrive directly and be able to scan the document and scan it and upload it to OneDrive, which is this in the private secure cloud for your company. So a lot of companies are doing that these days to keep things secure uh, with that. But you're right. I mean, if you just have an open Microsoft account, you know, I mean, on OneDrive, that's the same thing. It's it's out for that potential risk uh, for for vulnerability. Yeah, like I said, Google is something we do. We, do we trust? I mean, Dropbox is. Do you trust Dropbox? I mean, do you trust Box? Do you trust you know any of these other um, uh, cloud services as well? So you just got to be vigilant that. But I mean, it's good to finally see Google did this. Uh, but again, receive with caution. That in, in the show notes we have a link in the article. It's just showing a, a receipt mm-hmm. from Target that they're scanning. So at least it's something like that. You just need a scan to get a reimbursement of some sort if it's an expense. Um, yeah, and if a- if you're with a company that has a a contract with Google, uh, that could actually be a very good thing. Right, getting those kinds of receipts into the company uh, uh, <coughs> into the company data. Absolutely. Good so point. Check it out. It's a, a cool thing, and uh, we're uh, 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 and uh, it's a, it's a, something that uh, does make things of convenience. But be, be aware of security. So that that's what a great show. Appreciate you guys being here this week, and uh, let's go ahead and wrap up for this week. Uh, that's our wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email address, which is feedback at intouchwithios.com. You can follow us on Mastodon, which is at intouchwithios at techhangout.social. Support the show by buying me a coffee at intouchbios.com slash coffee. We would really appreciate it. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash intouchbios. We, uh, we have two tiers available to support the show. We would really appreciate it. 
Make sure you like, share, and subscribe so you're notified when we are live streaming, which is on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash intouchplyos. A shout-out to Web Bixby and all the others that were in the chat tonight. We appreciate that. Um, you can also watch the, the, the live stream with us as well as you can watch the recorded version of the live stream and our all of our audio of our past shows. Visit In Touch with iOS Magazine on Flipboard where many of the topics we discuss are flipped into that magazine. The link is in our show notes. You can subscribe to the show in your favorite podcatcher, including Pocket Casts, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and many others. But better yet, go to our website, InTouchWithIOS.com, where all the links to all the ways to listen to us are there. I am Dave Ginsberg. You can find me on Mastodon at DaveG65 at Mastodon.cloud. Chuck Joyner, thank you again for being here. Always a great pleasure to have you here. Where can people find you? Hey, David, it's, it's always a pleasure to uh, to be part of this team. Um, it's a little weird team, but it's a good team. Um, <laughs> yes. You can find me at macvoices.com. That's where we talk to a lot of really interesting people. Right now, we are uh, doing our annual gift guide series scattered in among our other content. One of the reasons that my Apple savings account is empty is because <laughs> of all the ideas that Jeff <laughs> and Ben and Dave and some of our other friends gave me. That's like, oh, that sounds like something I really should check out. So Amazon Happy is to be a service. Work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, Amazon's making regular stops at my house now every day. Um, we do Mac Voices Live, as was alluded to earlier here, uh, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are, right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash TV. Join us in the chat room. We'd love to have you. And on all of the major socials and even a few of the minor ones, I'm Chuck Joyner. Again, Dave, thanks so much. It's always a lot of fun. Thank you. And Ben Rathick, so glad you were able to make it here as always. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Well, Dave, you can find me at Ben Rathick on your social media of choice. Uh, Rathick.tech for my writings. On Tuesday, you can typically find me on this little show called Mac Voices with Chuck Joyner. On Tuesdays and the, or Tuesday, Thursdays and Fridays, you can find me on the Big and Mac shows on the British Tech Network with some Jeff Gamut guy. I don't know about him. Yeah, and him. yeah. And lastly, uh, you can find me as a regular contributor here on In Touch with iOS with Dave Ginsburg. Thank you so much, Ben. Last but certainly not least, Jeff Gamut. As always, a pleasure having you here. Where can people find you? Well, uh, well, first, thank you, thank you so much for putting up with my my big rant fest tonight. I I was prepared. <laughs> okay, okay, at least you're prepared. Um, all right, so social medias, Jay Gamut everywhere, and uh, right now I'm most active on Mastodon Instagram, and I'm working on uh, getting more active on Threads. And I just realized tomorrow is December. So that means tomorrow I start my annual Lego Advent Calendar oh uh, daily build online. Buckle up, we'll be ready. So, <laughs> well, I bought I bought my Advent Calendar back in September when they went on sale, so I wouldn't have to worry about whether or not they would they would be available come December. Um, yeah. Anyhow, um, so for shows. Dave, thanks for letting me be part of In Touch with iOS. I do appreciate that. Um, Chuck, thanks for tolerant and letting me be on Mac Voices Live on Tuesdays. <laughs> it's you, you, sir, are um, 
um, either a masochist or a saint. <laughs> I'm not sure which. Both or a bit of both. Fair, fair. All right. Then um, uh, Brian Chaffinan and I, we do the Context Machine. Then uh, let's see, the, the British Tech Network, Thursdays, the Big Show, Fridays, the Mac Show. I think I hit all the stuff I'm on regularly. I, yeah. I hope so. Anyhow, um, thanks again. This yeah. is always so much fun. It is. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We really enjoyed doing it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah.